the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome to one of those USL shows that we do that are like weird and kind of popping up and prompt you all the time. Hiya. Uh, it's your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, your favorite cheesemonger's favorite cheesemonger. Evan, hiya. Been a minute. Nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. Here with a couple of my soccer friends, as always, uh, Alan Underwood is here. How's it going? It's it's going, man. How are, how are you? All right. It's here in San Diego, but... That just means we get to drink uh, delicious, tasty, lighter beer, like, you know, mm, a nice dry hop mm. Kolsch or something. But, you know, things are going well. Good, good. Uh, one half of the USL Stats partner, Ryan Allen's here. Hello. I uh, just finished my second semester of grad school, so I'm at the uh, halfway marks, and I'm uh, enjoying my summer vacation before my summer classes start in a week. I hate that you are um, finishing more college in a quicker time period than like I figured out that I hated college. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means to you, but, but there it is. I'm just going to get it out of the way. It's sour grapes. And uh, it, it's a, it's a new soccer friend. Kind of. Um, if you have uh, find yourself uh, perusing um, some English language, um, Tijuana, news some uh maybe english mexican soccer news or if you've you know maybe found yourself reading a byline by cesar hernandez on espn fc or the athletic or 442 or mls or vice sports or anywhere um or if you happen to listen to the mexican soccer show at next soccer show uh it's, it's cesar hernandez sir thanks for coming on hey guys thanks for having me I'm about uh i want to say about a mile or two away from uh, where alan lives um so it was only it was only a matter of time right alan before before i got i got the invitation over over to the podcast right for sure we're glad to have you yeah thanks for having me guys yeah looking forward to to chatting about well i guess what are we going to chat about i don't want to yeah, i don't want to ruin you know, an introduction a little, here a little bit of of anything it's nice in a way we were talking about I, Scott. I'm, I'm down to continue our Scott conversation we have I'm before we stock conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um i i think real big fish are an undervalued band can we also talk about how hook by blues traveler is like actually a really good song blues trap what does blues travel have to do with ska well no blues but I, I was just thinking ska and that put me in the mood of like 90s and then i was remembering things that would only be popular in the 90s in that time frame and then i thought of, of job hopper and blues traveler well unfortunately i do not have my vest that can fit uh 50 yep. uh different <laughs> you don't <laughs> hey, have just a harmonica just... in each one of your weird uh like fishing vests well, actually, no. Yeah. Well, since I since I since I am a ska fan, it's just it fits fifty tiny trumpets and and saxophones. Mm, it's just the mm-hmm. tiniest you've ever seen. Just fifty different pockets for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so really, I mean, we could either be a streetlight manifesto tribute podcast, or um, we could talk about soccer. I don't know whichever one. You'd oh, prefer, you just bought really. a streetlight, but I'm just gonna stop talking. Oh man, yeah, I got here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen. I, I anyway. Uh, and I, I think like, like the mighty mighty Boston's are good, but they're a little overrated. Anyway, um, well, <laughs> we, God, man, that's that's rough. People are gonna be like, "This is about soccer." Um, so the more and more that it seems like Liga MX and and the United States in in general, I suppose, are um, trying to figure out where they want to be involved together. Um, we have been comparing the Asensio and usl and i would love to know as someone that actually has a point of reference for both of those leagues and doesn't live in the mid-atlantic of the united states how wrong are we <laughs> well i mean i don't think it's it's there just yet i think that's a conversation we're going to be having in the near future because the essential is uh it's currently restructured so, so i guess i guess before we really get into it, i should give some some background uh, as to as, as to what's happening right now within the mexican second division so um, so, I mean, it has to be mentioned that the essential was, was a mess in, in recent years. Um, 
teams regularly dropped out or ceased to exist. Uh, some teams didn't really invest as much as they should. Sponsorship wasn't very high. I mean, attendance numbers weren't really high. In comparison to League of Mechies, they, they weren't very mm-hmm. high. So what happened recently as es- essential teams were trying to rethink um, how they should approach uh, their development. And, and as League of Mechies is also trying to figure out what kind of, I, I, mean, I guess before we go into the MLS chat, you know, what Liga Mekis wanted to do to solve its own issues, to to solve its own problems. There was a decision made um, earlier uh, this month to suspend ProRel until 2026. Initially, it was until 2025, but then they decided to, you know, why not make it 2026? I I guess right after the World Cup. (laughs) Um, So, so, I mean, here's the thing. Something did did need to change. Uh, I I think whether the upcoming changes are the right ones or not, remain to be seen um so i i guess another question here is why would i, I think a lot of people are wondering why would essential clubs agree to no pro rel if you already have an opportunity for promotion why would you do away with that well the issue here is that they these these teams had numerous financial problems i mean i, I you know i mentioned earlier how they had some issues there and and these financial problems became more serious because uh of the recent pandemic the recent cancellation of the league so Many saw it as beneficial to restructure it in a new second division in which every second division team will be given close to a million dollars per year to re-strengthen. Um, and there are also rumors that there's going to be a cooperative deal regarding sponsorship and TV rights across the whole league, which could help raise even more money. So that kind of leads us to where we're at now, where fans are saying, fans and also media members in Mexico are saying, there's no, there's no promotion for these teams. There's no opportunity for them to be making into Liga Mekis. There's even, ever <laughs> there was a meme that kind of stood out to me. There was a meme of a uh, someone like Photoshop, whatever, a sec division team lifting an invisible trophy <laughs> after winning the league title. <laughs> yep. So there have been arguments, for, you know, whether fans will want to show up or support a team that can't gain promotion, and that kind of leads us to what you're, what we were. I mean, I guess what we could potentially talk about here is that what I'm saying is just look north. You know, everyone always Ooh. talks about how League of Mechies think about you know, how, how you know, they can model after MLS. But what's going to be need to be talked about in the future is how essential clubs can now model themselves after what's happening at lower division teams north of the border. Well, um, Ryan, now and it's funny. I, I heard um, I heard low attendance. I heard uh, clubs dropping out of nowhere. I heard um, uh, all of your rights being tied in together as a league instead of individual clubs. I heard um, something about why would people care if there's not pro rel. That all sounds really familiar to me, boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I, I don't know, like Alan, you're the other Californian here. <laughs> More or less was that. And um, uh, like, I, I don't know. It, is there have you seen a whole lot of like people that are like, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Liga MX East, like looking at San Diego loyal or like, what is the, like, where is, where is USL needing to reach the, the sort of not we're in need of more local club than MLS sort of fan base. I think the, the thing that stands out to me is if you look at the USL, you have a large collection of teams who c- could possibly move up in like pro- promote into the MLS and be competitive. Like if you're looking at the Ascenso and Cesar can definitely correct me if I'm wrong. There's only like five or six teams in that second division who can even who even like meet the minimum requirements. To yeah, move up. actually, mm-hmm. actually, if, if I'm correct, I don't think any <laughs> meet the, the current requirements. So I, I think that's why they're they're kind of trying to give these teams like a million dollar, close to a million dollars each year. But sorry, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, you're and and so I th- I think when people look at Mexican soccer, they're almost always looking at Liga MX mm-hmm. as opposed to realizing that there is yeah. a second division in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people are even aware that that's a thing that exists all of the time. We're watching like uh, the League Cup, where you know these League Two teams are facing, you know the the top teams and are getting some games on TV. Um, I think, I think looking at the way San Diego is trying to do it, they're really trying to create a cross border community where they like, like I know that San Diego got some junk for scheduling, making sure none of their home games uh, were the same time 
the Sholos matches, but mm. I mean, if you know Cl- Club America is coming to Tijuana and San Diego Loyal's playing, I don't know, even if they're playing RGV or even if they're playing Phoenix, like most of those fans are going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go to Tijuana. Like it's right. an easy trip. It's not that complicated. It's not that taxing. You just got to plan it out ahead of time. And um, I think it was really smart of them to do that. Uh, because there are a large collection of they're called what was it gringo Tro- gringo yeah. that travels yeah, yeah. down to Mexico, <laughs> um, um, and so I know that that's something that they focused on was trying to build that cross border culture. But how does that translate to the USL as a league? I'm not really sure. Yeah. I know uh, some of the teams in Texas were looking at some of those things as well, um, and I think talking about USL in the broader sense of where it fits in with the Mexican soccer second division, I think is a really smart conversation to have uh, and just aware that there's some pitfalls of pro rel that we can avoid in the United States, but also some benefits of maybe USL instead of Liga MX and MLS coming together. Maybe it is a sense and USL coming together and saying, we want a little bit more than we're getting. Also, actually, actually this kind of leads me to a question I want to ask. I mean, I mean, all three of you, because obviously you all know much more about USL than I do. Uh, but from from a somewhat outsider's perspective and someone who's trying to get into USL a little bit more and trying to learn about things, what I have been saying recently, what I've been you know, writing in articles, what I've been telling people on podcasts is that I say, I mean, what I just said earlier, which is, you know, how do you, how can you potentially find success in a, for a central team to potentially find success uh, in lower division soccer in Mexico? It's like, well, look at, I mean, from, once again, you guys know better than I do, but I, I would say, you know, look at, look at Phoenix, look at New Mexico, look what's building in San Diego. I mean, and Nisa, look, look at Oakland Roots, look at Detroit mm-hmm. City. Is mm-hmm. that, is, is that actually what, teams should be looking at or do you think they should potentially be modeling other second divisions uh and, I, and i'm mostly saying this just because of the proximity and also because there is no promotion relegation within u.s soccer and and i and i feel like there there are examples of success so, so do you think that do any of you think that it is actually apt for for essential teams to to be looking north, north of border ryan you can have a crack I would say so. Yes, um, I feel like um, looking towards USL it can be incredibly beneficial. As was mentioned, that San Diego Loyal is doing a lot of things right. Phoenix Rising is getting a lot of stuff. If you look towards USL League One, it's just a few other examples. Ford Madison is one of the kings of social media online, and Grateful Triumph is one of the best teams, at least on the pitch as far as they go. Oh, if you look back to USL Championship, I know there are USL or NMLS 2 side, and you have New York Red Bulls, too, who develop a ton of great talent within that program. Um, I still feel like uh, Asensio clubs can learn a ton from the USL sides. It's just from looking north of the border and how successful those teams can do. Yeah, I- so I, I think if you if you kind of break it down, there's like three ways that as a lower division team in the United States, at least, you can sort of, I don't know, break out of your plateau or, or where people mm-hmm. think that you would kind of stand normally as far as your, your online engagement or, or attendance, maybe at least. One, um, really good social. Uh, Ford Madison, obviously, in the NPSL, uh, Minneapolis City is another one that absolutely kills it. Um, and for them, it's not just social. For them, too, they take a really, really great pride in, in Minneapolis, the city itself. So having that community in- engagement, which I, I think is something that all clubs should strive for. Um, the other two ways, one, just being successful on the field, um, yeah. you know, and, and if we're talking USL, that's your Louisville City. That's your Phoenix, uh, New Mexico United, kind of. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, Tampa. You're like kind, yeah, and like you're you're kind of legacy clubs too that were around like early like this era USL. So like Rochester Rhinos, um, Harrisburg City Islanders always had like a weird cult following. Um, and then your third one that Ryan kind of alluded to is you're just you're either an MLS two side or you're another USL side that just like produces players. Um, Red Bull 2, uh, I'll be selfish. North Texas. Seal. Um, North Texas SC is another one. Uh, to a lesser extent, sort of San Antonio. Um, so I think those are three things that if you're looking at it from not a fan perspective and you're looking at it from a club-to-club perspective, 
I don't know, and I guess Caesar, this is a question back to you, where it's like, yeah. are Essencio clubs going to be okay with being sort of feeder teams if there um, is any kind of profit involved? <laughs> so, 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 so that's that's a, that's an interesting question as well because um, so we have to talk about uh, the rumored structure uh, uh, of the Essencio because right now it looks like there's only about twelve Essencio teams, mm. so they're 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 aiming to boost that number up. And what they're actually considering doing, and it looks like it more than likely is going to happen, is that you're going to have some reserve sides from Liga Mekis moving into the Ascenso. So you might have a Chivas B, you might have a Cruz Azul B, you might have an America B. So obviously those will be feeders for obvious right. reasons. Right. But as for the other uh, for the other Ascenso teams, I mean, who knows? I mean, I I I, I, right. I, I genuinely know it, it depends on a club by club basis. But what is interesting is that you are genuinely going to have reserve sides that will be feeders for the for the senior side taking right. part uh in the second division and you're also uh, apparently uh you're gonna have potentially two maybe even three but uh, the, the talk is it's gonna be two uh third division sides that are gonna be making the move up to the second division as well uh up, up to the essential so i mean the I, I think i think the important point here is uh when it comes to the essential um not nothing Nothing is set in stone just yet about how mm-hmm. it's going to be structured. There's just a lot of rumors about, you know, roster rules. Because right now the big rumor is that it's going to be, I mean, if we're talking about a feeder league, is that more than likely it is going to be a league that focuses on U23 talent. And there's going to be a limitation on the amount of uh, uh, international spots and also players over the age of 23 who can uh, who could take part in the rosters. Um, right now it looks like, if, if you believe the strong rumors, um, they're only going to be, uh, I, I don't know if it's either, I'm thinking it's either per, per roster, not per game day, but per roster, you're going to have only eight players over the age of 23 and only three of those can be foreign talent. So mm. is it going to be a feeder league? Yeah. I mean, more than likely, I mean, right. If, 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 if they're focusing yeah. on U23 talent and if they're focusing on young Mexican talent and if the Liga Mekis recently, they just did away with uh, a, a rule which had to give a minimum amount of minutes for uh for youth players in the league mm-hmm. they did away with that so that kind of insinuates that the essential is going to be a developmental league because that was going to be my sorry that's the next question is i know liga Mekis had like a crazy youth minute rule and yeah. it was hard to follow yeah. and hard to keep track of yeah uh so it seems like they're trying to address that as well but uh, sorry go ahead evan I, I was just thinking, like, do you think in a way, because I mean, I know they can be looking at a, at a number of, of third divisions like Germany and, and Spain, uh, even France, I think, um, or they could be looking north where it's the, hmm, one of the big reasons in, in one theory that USL has been able to stay around for as long as they have is because they kind of had that weird first division backing sort Mm -hmm. of in that you always knew the two teams were going to just be there by default because the first team had the money, Um, Mm -hmm. which which I think in a way has led to the sort of, uh, and, and, you know, Ryan or Alan, you can speak to this like vague resentment. Now that there is a like Mm -hmm. actual third division in the U S of having these like essentially MLS U 23 squads, like in the second tier of the United States. Um, I guess, you know, you're not a part of the Ascenso board or any Liga MX board for that matter. But like in your head, does it, would it kind of make sense for them to try to attract these, you know, B or those sides to, maybe get some footing under like a not sustainable league to try to make it sustainable. Wait, what do you mean about you? Are you talking about the essential teams or, or USL teams? Yeah. Well, so like, so like if you're, um, and like, I don't know which teams are, are rumored to be coming into the Ascenso as like a B side, but like if you're, uh, Guadalajara, Chief, let's say Chivas B. Yeah. Chivas B. Okay. Let's say Chivas right. B. Cool. So we're on the same page. Um, if you're, <laughs> if you're Chivas USA again, um, and, and you want to be a feeder team, in a way, if you're the Ascenso, I killed Alan. If you're the Ascenso, um, are you like, yeah, yeah, come in? Because that way you know at least like, hey, that team, like Chivas 
Bay is going to be. <laughs> I love that in English. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate my life. Should we just like, call him Chivas USA B or Chivas USA Two? Is that what we're going to call him? Chivas USB, maybe. <laughs> Chivas USB. Just plug him um, in. Just plug it. You'll figure you it out. Don't worry. <laughs> it makes no sense. Of, do you plug them in because you know, like, hey, if all this goes to nothing, like, do we at least have a team that we know we're going to have for three years or or whatever? I think, have you? I think you, you, I think you do embrace these these reserve sides because I think that when when you discuss essential uh, in the Mexican soccer world, it really doesn't get much attention. Right now, is the mm. most attention it's ever had i mean seriously it's like the most attention and that's because it's like guys this is a nightmare <laughs> yeah so and and i think and i think the way that it can gain more attention even though this might sound a little offensive to you know a team like dorados or or, or team, a team like let's say let's say dorados who had uh maradona you know managing them semi-recently or a team right. like atlante who have a little bit of history when they're in mexico's first division you know I, it's, it's gonna be a little offensive but i i feel like it will gain more attention by having a Chivas B, by having a Club America B, by having a Pumas B, a Cruz Azul B, mm. it, will, it will gain much, much significant more attention. And I think that going back down to finances, because I think a lot of this goes down to finances, a lot of the reasons why these uh, essential teams agreed, and not all of them did, like a, a majority did, but not all of them did, but the reason why they agreed to, do, to basically restructure it all was so that they can get close to a million dollars per year to help restructure the roster. And if you have an Chivas B and if you have a Cruz Azul B, then if you're going to have some sort of league-wide TV rights deal, if you're going to have league-wide sponsorship deals, having those Chivas Bs and those Cruz Azul Bs and those Club America Bs is going to make it more worthwhile for these TV companies, for these sponsors. Right. And if, 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 if that cash is spread out evenly, then some smaller essential teams can benefit from that. And in theory... In theory, the more money that comes in, the more attention that's given. These teams get stronger. They can they can help develop talent. And in theory, six years from now, they can then therefore meet the requirements to then move up to Liga Mekis. But I'm doubtful that they're going to do sure, it. But sure. that, that they're, they're going to keep Pro Rel uh, uh, yeah, six After, years from now. Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 we'll see what happens six years from now. But I would be. I would be surprised if 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 it's it's, it's not, I guess it's it's not easy to basically do away with pro rel for six years and then just to tell all of that investment all right. all of those investors all of that money to be like all right well, after all that relegations back <laughs> and and like yeah. that's my big hang up with implementing it in the U.S. is it's you know like more than six years how do you go telling like Robert Kraft or like you know, any of the like MLS 1.0 or even any of the guys now where it's like, oh, your uh, your investment's risen by 300% or whatever it is. It's something ridiculous where it's like you would never get that in any other industry and then go, but, but there's a, there's a weird, loud, vocal minority of fans that would really like to see it. If you do bad enough, that gets swept out from underneath you. It's like, yeah, how, which, like what owner is going to agree with that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So it'll, so it'll be interesting to see what happens six years from now. But mm-hmm. it just looks like there's going to be that gradual process of Liga Mekis, you know, making more partnerships with uh with Major League Soccer. I'm not, and I'm not. And here's the thing too. I don't, I don't know if we want to dive into this. We want to move on to a different topic. But I think, I think when we talk about a potential Super League two between Liga Mekis and MLS, I don't mm-hmm. think it's black and white. It, 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 I think people think that you know. It is what it is today. And the next year, boom, there's going to be a merger between the two and there's going to be a super league. And that's just not, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be gradual. It's, it's, and in all honesty, I'm guessing they'll make more collaborations, but they'll stop just short of a full merger. What's likely is, you know, you're going to have more teams in the League's Cup. And if that succeeds, you're going to move on to, you know, maybe a schedule which everybody plays at the same time, but within their own leagues. Maybe you'll have regular season at the same time, playoffs at the same time. But then at the very end, you'll have one interleague championship match, the Campeones Cup. So yeah, like the World Series. But, <laughs> right, right, but if that right. works, then they could they, they could stop there each league because I could have its own rules, its own idiosyncrasies and have mm-hmm. a big championship game. But but money talks. And if there's money to be made off occasional interleague play, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll see that. Maybe we'll see a Super League. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Alan, I think it's interesting because, well, and, and Cesar too, you're both in San Diego-ish area. Um 
Alan, how are loyal fans taking it that they have to play a team called uh, LA Galaxy 2 every year? And then um, are some of those fans that are, I mean, in practice very much, fans of Liga MX and San Diego Loyal, if you say, hey, there's another, there's there's this league in Mexico that no one really cares about, but now they have, you know, uh, Chivas B and, and Pumas B and, and like like is there a point where on those border states and in those communities where people are very much invested in in USL slash MLS and Liga MX if you have two of the like second tier leagues where not the majority but like a, a, a non-insignificant number of those clubs are made up of U23 squads essentially like are people just going to be like this sucks I hate this um, I'm super curious to see how people show up for some of those two matches. More so than they already um, say, "This sucks. I hate this now." Um, I, I think people. I think there's a large group of people. I shouldn't say a large group. I don't think San Diego pulls six thousand for every game uh, if it's against a lower. Mm. I don't want to say a lower tier, but like a two team. Right. Um, they might do that the first year. They might do that the second year, but I see like. I mean, we already support the Padres, so we're already used to like supporting crappy teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if I think if the loyal win and they are successful on the pitch, I think people continue to show up regardless mm. who they play. Um, I think what's oh, I ahead, think sorry, um, yeah, Caesar. Also, sorry to cut in really quickly. I think it's just uh, for me really quickly is that. Uh, I feel like there are just a, n- a number of, I've said this beforehand, but there are a number of soccer bubbles in San Diego area. They just, I think loyal, loyal's big task is just finding a way to unify it all. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's, that's part of their big goal is unifying all those big soccer circles or big soccer bubbles and to supporting loyal to be interesting to see if, if they can do that. And if it'll be enough to, to, <laughs> to sell out a stadium to watch LA galaxy too. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, um, Cesar, I think you mentioned on somewhere else. I forget who had mentioned it about the 1904 crowd versus the San Diego Loyal crowd, and they're yeah. attracting different types of people and different communities. And um, it'll be interesting to see where that shakes out uh, with all of the stuff that's going on, whether 1904 continues or not. Um, I have no inside information on how they're doing, mm. um, but I would hope they continue. Um, I, I, I think that San Diego has the ability to support multiple professional teams at the different tiers um, because there is a huge youth soccer culture around here that you just have to tap into that and create more lifelong fans and supporters. Mm. Um, I think in San Diego who are both LA FC and LA galaxy fans that might actually enjoy watching a low dose match. True. Um, maybe not so much a Tacoma defiance match, but um, I think well, there's I enough people who might be interested in a low dose match. Um, my question for Cesar is uh, yeah. how long till uh, Chivas B turns into LAFC two. I think that's a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really funny. uh let's, let's, let's get, but I, Hey, you know, if the, if the investments there, Chivas B might be like, you know what? Yeah, we, can get, we can get some cash here. Let's uh, bring, bring a, bring a 35 year old uh, Carlos Vela on loan a few years mm. down from now. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I do think you're uh, right. I think that Ascenso is something where people only pay attention to when it's sensationalized. Like mm. most people only know Dorados because of um, their uh, infamous famous coach. Yeah. Um, and articles oh. written about that. Um, I I'm still holding out hope that, San Diego Loyal can create a fan base and it's of trying to maintain some type of soccer culture when they've only played two matches um, and they're still reaching out to the community a lot and they're trying to engage uh, but it's yet yet to be seen I think if Loyal are one of those you know I don't want to say San Antonio because like one of those borderline playoff teams that are good and engaging but aren't quite breaking through that top half. I think San Diego in order to be successful needs to be a playoff team pretty consistently, or we'll see those attendance numbers drop to maybe closer to what orange County pulls in. Um, than you know, a, a Phoenix, even, you know, even San, San Antonio pulls in a pretty decent number. Um, 
or even Las Vegas. Um, so I'm hopeful, but that's who I am. I'm always a little bit more hopeful. I know some people are a little bit more pessimistic and seeing how it's going to play out over a couple of years. But as long as Landon Donovan's involved, you're going to pull numbers. Mm. Like the San Diego soccer's pulled 5K and he, he was playing indoor soccer just because it's Landon Donovan's name. So right. I think as long as he's involved, people are going to show up. Ryan, you're back, right? Yes. Great. So as someone that uh, used to like a team that has a shark in their logo um, <laughs> and can now maybe potentially like another team that has a shark in their logo, um, for for people like you and I who are in the uh, not border states, I guess, is the is the easiest way to say it. But, you know, on the East Coast of the U.S., like, why would we care about what USL or MLS does with Liga Emma Aquis? Or like, like, or like, what does that even look like for us? Like, I'm all the way up here close to Canada. Like, I, what's the, do we have a draw? Like, what is, what is the appeal for, for you, if anything, with all this? I think it's really interesting, considering uh, this will be a terrific segue into our next topic of conversation. Yeah. Liga Maxis dominates CONCACAF Champions League year after year. <laughs> And it's almost a moving target that MLS cannot catch up to it with the Montreal impact of a few years ago. I'm, my dates may be incorrect, but of a side who has come the closest to trying to knock off a Liga Maxi side in the CONCACAF Champions League final. I think it's interesting enough to follow those teams that though we may get some of the European stars who will come over to MLS and try to compete here, you'll get a large majority of those players who would still go to Liga Maxis. As a Tottenham fan, I recognize uh, Vincent Janssen, who chose to go to Monterey. He actually did successfully well with Monterey in this past mm-hmm. season. And, and I think one of the things that's holding MLS back from being a side that's truly a league that's truly viewed as one of the competitors on the global stage is the fact that they cannot get over that hump of beating Liga and Maxi's clubs in the CONCACAF Champions League final that as we saw prior to quarantine setting in and they were doing successfully well LAFC had that very great uh, tie against Leon I want to say but until they finally beat them in the final, well, I feel like it's crucial to look at what Liga Maxis is doing because that that's the target we're supposed to shoot for. And furthermore, Mexico is the national team that's the dominant club of the region. They're above the United States men's national team currently. That if we try and look towards our opponents in the league, that could make our own nation better as a whole. So when the CCL expands and the Portland Timbers too beat Club America in the CCL, will the gap mm-hmm. finally be closed between USL and Liga Mekis? Yes. Uh, yeah. Say so, real quick. I would yeah, love yeah. to yes. about yeah. a, about the the 2015 Concacaf Champions League final. Um, I know you're not a Club America apologist, so this might go go unanswered. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first leg, were you at least like okay? At least the Argentinian scored, and then after the second leg, were you really upset that Jack McInerney scored a goal? You're asking me to think back to 2015 CCL. Yeah, I'm I, I, I can't think. I, let me I know. let me control. Let me go in my mind. Control F. 2015 yeah, CCL. 2015 2016. <laughs> 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 I remember that was. I mean, all I think about just was it Tigres America in the final. That's all. I think. I think that's all I remember about it. I don't. I don't mm. remember anything about the quarterfinals. But uh, but I, but I guess if, if we're if we're talking about the CCL here though, and if we are on the USL show, what I want to I want to hear your guys' thoughts because. I mean, the, the, the president of CONCACAF, Victor yeah. Montagliani, I mean, he responded to all the Liga Mekis MLS merger rumors by saying that, uh, oh, you know, FIFA and CONCACAF, you know, they could stop a merger between the two. And by the way, we're going to expand the CCL. Yeah. And then, of course, there's an article in Sports Illustrated saying that USL is, you know, looking into going into the qualifying rounds of the, yeah. of the CCL. So what do you guys think? about? I think it's, ex- I, I think it's exciting, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel. I'll be the cynic. If you are Jake Edwards, or if you are the president, uh, really, I mean, if you're the president of a of a independent league that has, you know, Division Two standing in North America, like like even if you were the the president of the Canadian Premiership, why wouldn't you go? Hey, if you're going to expand, why not give us a spot or two in qualifying? Like, I I think if it's 
more than anything, especially right now, like in, in such weird early stages of conversation, probably, it's just advocating for your league, which is fine. Everyone should do that. There's no reason on earth for you not to do that if you're a president of a league. But I, I just don't know, especially with like MLS's best shot being a team in Canada, which is weird. Like it wasn't even the Galaxy or it wasn't even, you know, like I think it's just being an advocate for your league, trying to get it in front of as many people as possible, trying to keep it relevant in a news cycle where no one's doing anything. Um, I don't know if there's much, you know, of anything behind the, the, the story other than someone I, said, hey, you should think about us for qualifying. I guess, like, I guess the argument, the argument isn't exactly terrible. I mean, who it's knows not, it's not awful. Like, yeah, sure. If you win the second division of, of, of U.S. soccer and, you know, like would Louisville or Phoenix or New Mexico or any of those like, you know, first tier USL clubs do badly in Champions League qualifying? No. But like, they're not going to make that much noise. Like, they can't hardly make that much noise in the Open Cup. Honestly, I think if you had a side, like, say we had Champions League qualification for the best independent side in USL, so in this case, Louisville this year, or I honestly believe they would get wrecked by anyone at Liga Emakis yeah. this next season, and it probably wouldn't even be close. Like, if you say that you have to travel down to Mexico City for this match, this side would absolutely get wrecked for this league. And like you were saying, they it just wouldn't be like that much noise for the team. And it's not like USL sides don't have an access to CONCACAF Champions League. You just beat a couple MLS sides in the mm. Open Cup and you have access to that. Yeah. And I, like, I get those, those central, so those central American sides do get wrecked anyways. But I, I, yeah. I guess more, more, I guess, I guess my assumption is that most USL teams would probably get wrecked but i mean would it would it still be kind of exciting to see them because i would imagine i mean who knows you guys once again you guys know much more about usl teams than i do but i would imagine they would do well because more than likely they would take place in the the Concacaf league so right. that they mean is that they'd be going up against el salvadorian side sides from honduras panel like USL teams could probably hold their own against that and that would still be pretty exciting right i think it would be exciting on a fan base to fan base perspective like if you're in it it's really cool if you're not it's just a lot of apathy um and i will say isn't 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 uh, that the case with any usl side though fair yeah fair uh the other point if i wanted to watch an american team go to estadio azteca and get their ass handed to them i would just watch the men's national team Hey, you know, hey, you know, Bradley, Bradley got that, that, that beautiful goal against, uh, against Mexico. Uh, I think in all that last world cup qualifier in the second yeah. Mexico, I, I think he got that goal last little day. So, I think that was a draw, but <laughs> so did, uh, orange counties or so did orange counties. Michael Orozco scored in correct. Mexico city. Uh, correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But, uh, to be, to be transparent, this is a conversation that Cesar and I have had, um, between the, the, regarding CCNL or CCL and MLS sides being successful or not. Like I probably talked about this um, probably more than we've talked about ska music. Um, and <laughs> so at all, I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> that, I mean, that, that was, that's like 75% of the conversations that mm. and I have are either about ska music or about MLS versus Liga Mekis in the uh, CONCACAF champions league. And I mean, I don't know. I, I think with an independent side that doesn't have to worry about the type of, you know, you can, you're probably not going to get the top players that you can pull. But if a USL side that has a bankroll gets a chance to be in the CCL versus mm-hmm. an MLS side that doesn't, like you, a, a team that is going to put money into their, into their franchise might be able to pull somebody that they don't pull before because now they're playing in a, a much higher profile competition. Um, I don't know that because they don't have to deal with like, well, they're a you know designated player or the, the Tam Gam Fam Jam stuff that MLS <laughs> has to deal with. Um, but I, I do think there's a spot. There could be a spot for a USL champion in Concacaf leagues, um, and I I don't think. I mean, if you don't have an opportunity for promotion. 
Um, I would make an argument like, oh, I guess Canadian Premier League, that's their top league, but they also have Canadian MLS sides that also can make their way in through MLS or through like their their local Canadian, you know, Open Cup thing. I think the deck is stacked a little bit against USL teams, the way the Mm. Open Cup runs. If Open Cup ran more like the FA Cup, where just everyone's in and everyone's open, I think... USL clubs might be able to get a little bit further and may be able to to nick a win against an MLS side, you know, not in the third round, but later in like a semifinal, I might meet, meet an MLS team for the first time. I think if St. Louis met met F, uh, met Cincinnati in a quarterfinal or semifinal yeah. versus way back in the tournament because they had to beat a bunch of teams just to get there, you know, or a New Mexico from last year might have an actual chance of making that final spot to get a CONCACAF Champions League. So I either we need to retool Open Cup and make it just a straight-up Open Cup, everyone plays everybody, um, or you find a way to get USL, because there is no promotion, to get them a bid into uh, maybe not CONCACAF Champions League, but you know that Europa-style uh, the other CONCACAF competition, um, maybe that's a spot where you can get them in where, you know, there is a Canadian spot there where you can, uh, the Canadian Premier League can get their spot in there. And I think that's something to look into as well. I mean, I mean, here's the thing, though, is like, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, yeah, more than like I'm going back to the idea of USL teams in the, the latter rounds of the CCL. I mean, I mean, I know you guys might think I'm crazy for saying that, but let's look at the recent CCL competition. Let's look at Alianza versus Tigres. Tigres mm. needed literally their, their goalkeeper. Tigres, Nahuel Guzman, he had to score at the very, 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 very last second to get past Alianza. Alianza from El Salvador. Look at that roster and tell me if there's a significant difference between Alianza's roster between an average USL side. And I, I, I may, maybe there is a big difference. I don't. I, 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 and, and they gave Tigres arguably the most powerful team in North America some problems. I mean, look at Comunicaciones, you know, from Guatemala. Mm-hmm. They took America, Club America, to penalties. To penalties. Like, I, I don't know. And like, how, what big of a difference is there between Comunicaciones' roster in Guatemala in comparison to an average USL side? I, I, I would make the argument there isn't a significant difference. And if these teams can give these Liga Mekki sides some trouble, I'm not saying the USL teams are going to be beating Liga Mekki sides. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. I, I, I think it yeah. would be a little bit. I think I think it would be a little bit more close than we think it is. Is, is what I'm saying. I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. I, I think what's fun and like what's part of it is that there's so much fear of the unknown when it comes to like the hypothesis of what would USL do in CCL, just because like yeah we've seen you know uh, USL sides make it far in the open like like the gap between USL and MLS is closing. And we've, we've seen that through results in the Open Cup. We've seen that through player transfers in the last year or two, especially. But, like, what would happen if they had to go down and play Estudiantes or, you know, a team in El Salvador or, or, true, or true, yeah. Guatemala or whatever? Like, we have no idea. True, true, yeah. and, and we don't even know how they would get down there. It's like right now everyone just buses the games, whatever. Like, you know, like there's, there's no idea. There, no one has any idea. It, it, it's all just kind of, well, this would be kind of neat. Um, and we don't know what it would do as far as clout for the league. Like does being in CC automatically kind of like make CONCACAF go, oh, that's neat. Who, who are those guys? What are they doing? Um, or is it just going to be another one of those weird footnotes where it's like, you know, Jake McGuire is one of the only players left that played in Chivas USA Academy who's still actively playing? We don't know. All um, things, I, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to the the Phoenix Rising versus Club America CCL final right? like, in, 2020, there's, in there's, 2024. I'm looking forward to that There's definitely final. matchups like that where it's like, well, yeah, how would Rising do against, you know, Club America? Or how would Louisville do against Tigres, especially if Tigres, had, well, now they won't have to, but especially if Tigres had to play on a baseball field. Like, Yeah, that's one of the things that I was considering. It's no longer a concern for Louisville since they got their own place, but Phoenix has like a module stadium with only about six thousand people when you move from the max capacity of Sadio Azteca of Club America, do you think they're going to give it their all when they have to play in a six thousand seat stadium right. in the desert of Arizona? 
No, or they're gonna. Oh, or if they have to go against New Mexico United on a baseball field, are they gonna say it's like, do these mm. guys really deserve to be in uh, Concacaf Champions League when we're playing in front of sold out arenas? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think that's an interesting point. But yeah, I mean, I guess I get more than anything else. I just find it fascinating. I find it exciting. Yeah, more than likely those USL teams, like you guys mentioned, would probably get dominated. I mean, let's let's not overlook. They probably get dominated by some of these sides. But would I? If would I be excited if this were to happen? A hundred percent. I yeah. would just absolutely yeah, love that. I, I, th- I think what's interesting too is if is uh, I, I made an argument on, on Twitter as well, just saying that if if if, if you if it, let's say this actually happens and USL teams are allowed to take part in the CCL, does that mean once again looking back at the Essential, could the Essential make the same argument because they can't get promoted? Uh, within the next six years, could essential teams also make the same argument, and you would have an expanded CCL that include USL teams and essential teams? Maybe right. I don't know. I'm not saying it's happening, but I'm just saying that like if, I, if, it's it has to be such a bizarre, bizarre time to be in a place of power in Concacaf, just because you have these leagues where it's like, all right, USL, there's no path other than than making a really good sales pitch for them to go to MLS. Yeah. And Asensio, where they literally went, hey, we're not doing ProRel anymore for six years, where it's like, well, should the winner or the top two or whatever in those leagues get something by way of Champions League or, or you know, and and are, are they consulting and going, well, what do you do if, if that team wins? Like, what happens? Do they get more money? Like, do they get a mil and a half? Like, what? You and know, so the it, CCL, they're going to have to get creative too. Cause guess what? Right. I think I'm guessing the CONCACAF president that like, he's a little worried about this MLS Liga Mackey's merger. And you can mm. tell by his comments saying that, you know, that FIFA and CONCACAF would try to stop a merger between the two. And that he followed up those comments by saying that the CCL is expanding. So what do you do to get more interest? What do you do to you know bring things back a little bit? Why not? Let, let's mix up. Let's rethink things. Let's make the CCL a little bit more expansive. Why not bring in uh, USL teams? Why not bring essential mm, teams and make this mm. a really fascinating competition? If you really want to take a little bit more attention away from what's happening between uh, in a league and MLS merger, then again, I'm also saying this as someone who loves to watch lower league soccer uh, now and. In, in in the United States because of San Diego Loyal. Now I'm trying to get into that. And also someone who's also really looking forward to the the, the, the new developments with the Essentials. So maybe I'm speaking right. from, a, from a different perspective here, from someone you know, who's now fascinated by the lower divisions from each country. You're country. in a safe place to do that. So that's good. <laughs> and I would imagine that if you would allow, for lack of a better term, second tier leagues into champions league it would be unprecedented amongst the world this would be the equivalent of letting leeds united and west brom into europa league or the europa league two whatever they're going to call that uh like third tier competition in europe uh, into a champions league here that it would definitely turn some heads across world football stranger things have happened in soccer though that's for sure (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah um the, the the last thing I'm vaguely curious about, Cesar, is is, and we've talked about it, but is, is there one thing or is there a couple things other than three-digit numbers that are happening in, in <laughs> Mexican football that you think the U.S. could could learn from? I mean, you guys know the reasoning for the three-digit numbers, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Because some people think it's like, it's just like there's really eccentric players. Yeah, the guys yeah. just go and pick three numbers, and they're like, "I would like to be Travis Pastrana, but play soccer, please." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So for those who don't know who are listening, to this, the the reason why is because when you when you're a part of the uh, the academies and Liga Mekis, you're given higher numbers. So for example, like if you're a part like the reserve side, you could potentially be in the hundreds. If you're like a U U twenty team, you could potentially have like 200 u15 maybe 300s 400s as the, the, the lower you go down the higher number you have so that's why you sometimes see those uh, higher numbers um when it comes to league because i mean honestly i mean what when i think about the idiosyncrasies of the league when i think about what's exciting it's all it's all about the future to be perfectly honest mm. and i and, and it's just about what's what's going to happen between this um this these collaborations with major league soccer um, I think there there was an interesting quote. Uh, once again, I'm, I'm talking about the the uh, the owner uh, slash president of uh, Santos and Atlas, who said that um, you know this making a collaboration between MLS and Liga Mekis, um, it, it's it's good for I forget who he said it was good for in the short term. I believe he said um, that's what he said it would it would help MLS in the short term 
It helped Liga Mekis in the medium term and both in the long term. And I think what he's referencing there is that MLS in the short term, they need, well, basically they need, they need the eyes and attention in the United States that currently focus on Liga Mekis, that currently focus on the most popular soccer league in, in the country. And Liga Mekis in the medium term, they need, uh, they need a little bit more investment and they need, uh, you know, maybe you could even have some American investors looking now south of the border and thinking, oh, why don't you know, spend some money uh, on this soccer league? So I, I think that's what's going to be fascinating. And we, we talked about this uh, before we started recording about a team like San Luis, um, who have outside investors who have taken a chance. Uh, uh, you know, these Atleti owners have taken a chance uh, on San Luis. You know, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what new faces will show up within the next you know, five to six years. Because with the 2026 World Cup coming up, that's going to lead to more attention to not only American soccer, Canadian soccer, but also to Mexican soccer. And when people realize that there is no relegation for, for Liga Mekis up until 26, and who knows if it's going to be even <laughs> be brought back in 2026, that is going to be a very safe investment. Yeah, I mean, do we, am I uncomfortable with the idea that there's no more pro realm? Yes, 100%. But these League of Legends teams are now going to get a lot more investment uh, in the near future. So it'll be interesting to see what investment comes in and how these investors and how these outside influences will adapt to Mexican soccer. Because there are, once again, I've used the word idiosyncrasies a, a couple of times. There are idiosyncrasies when it comes to Mexican soccer, whether it be roster rules that are constantly changing, whether it be the, the pacto, pacto de Caballeros or the Gentleman's Agreement which existed for quite some time, but it's kind of going away with now, which is basically, you know, there are, there are no free transfers. Even if a player is done with his contract, there's still some sort of hidden deal that's made behind, you know, behind, you know, behind closed doors. So, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what outside influences will be made into Liga Mekis and a soccer league that's lived in a bubble for quite some time. And it'll be interesting to see, what impact MLS has and what, what these collaborations with Liga Mekis and kind of looking beyond that, just Mexican American soccer, you know, mm. continuing to, to combine. I, I feel like, I don't know the, the fact that I, I mean, not to focus too much on MLS, but I feel like there's something very symbolic about Chicharito signing with the galaxy. It, it just felt like it was another significant step towards this unification of, Mexican American soccer, and I don't, and, and I, I know we're all seeing that at the very top level, but sure. I wonder if we're going to be seeing that in the secondary levels, the tertiary levels. Because guess what? I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier about the essential clubs, now you're going to have a lot of essential players, second division Mexican soccer players who can't play for Liga Mekis sides, who are over the age of 23, who will not be able to play in an essential in essential clubs because more than likely there's going to be age, there's going to be age restrictions. How many mm. of these guys look north and think, is there a USL side that's going to give me a chance? Is, is, a US, is it going to be, would it be a smart move for a lot of USL teams to be looking at a lot of these Mexican second division players who are now no longer going to have contracts and not, not going to be able to play in Liga Mekis? It's, mm. it's, I, I think, I think there's, a, there's, there's a bigger Mexican-American soccer, and I guess we, could, we shouldn't involve Canada as well for obvious reasons, but there's interesting kind of North American kind of like... Uh, unification that's happening on that i think it's gonna happen on numerous levels i'm really really interested to see how, how it develops um i think it's interesting in, in in two ways i think there's one thing that's that's been benefiting um mexico a little bit more and then there's another thing that that i just wish that that united states soccer teams would do that they don't that freaks me out um i think usl is a really great place for Mexico to introduce themselves to dual national kits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Efron Alvarez being one. Um, and I, I think whichever federation between us and, and Mexico shows interest earlier and where they do that, because it's not happening at MLS and I don't think it's happening at the Academy level. Well, eh. um, but, but I think it's when you see those 16, 17 year old kids that are, you know, either American with, with Mexican heritage or, or vice versa. That's where a lot of those battles are won and lost. And I, I think it's, you know, something that's as simple as saying, Hey, we have eyes on you. Like we're looking at you is huge. Um, 
the one thing that bothers me about American clubs, um, and I've seen this locally with the union, where it's like, you guys have a Spanish language account that you hadn't used for, I think it was two years. And it's like, there's such a big market. And you don't, like, I get it. You don't think of suburban Pennsylvania as like an area where there's a lot of, you know, um, Latino, Latinx, like, like community, but they're there. (laughs) as mexican americans we're everywhere man right like it's it's not certainly it's not border states anymore like it's it's the whole it's the whole country you know and and so it's just funny to me to to see american clubs not even attempt to and and to be fair i i've met the guy that does the the uh, hispanic outreach for the union now and like whoops sorry pandemic but like he had it seemed like he had a lot of really good ideas and was, and was refreshed and and it seemed like the support from the fan base about that account even just tweeting things in spanish was like good so um yeah it's it's a really really interesting time and i think the more sort of the uh and this is kind of in a way it comes back to sports can't be apolitical but the more there's that blurring of the line between you know where does the u.s start and where does mexico kind of stop and and just diversity in communities I think federations and teams and leagues and fans are going to have to sort of uh, pay attention to each other a little bit more. No, a hundred percent. And here's the thing too, is just that, I mean, look at those Mexican American players. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a number of them that are completely overlooked. That's why, mm-hmm. I mean, the Mexican national team, I'm pretty sure you guys know who, who Hugo Perez is. You know, mm-hmm. he you had a role with U.S. soccer bath days, a former U.S. youth national team coach, former U.S. men's national team player. He was hired by the Mexican national team solely, solely to focus on young Mexican-Americans. That is his job. They literally hired a guy to be like, look, find Mexican-American talent bring them over, make connections, you know, because there, there are a lot of players that are overlooked. I mean, all you have to do is look at the, the Alianza tournament. I'm sure you guys are well aware of the Alianza tournament, uh, which gives an opportunity for a lot of young Latinos uh, all across the country, you know, opportunities to, to play for Liga Mekis. It's not only just Liga Mekis teams, but uh, you know, any yeah. team that's, that's willing to show, I'm sure, I, I don't know. Are there, are there any USL teams that, that show up to these Alianza tournaments? If not, they really should. Cause I mean, it's just, it's just completely overlooked Latino talent. Uh, right. across the country so yeah 100 agree with you and uh yeah hopefully we'll see we'll see more outreach from these teams uh uh going forward ryan or alan any thoughts i was going to say ryan comma alan any thoughts and then realized that wouldn't have done me that that good um i can listen to cesar talk about lower division and liga emekis like all day long so <laughs> Thanks, it's just super smart so it's always good to get that information and um i I do think that kind of watching and trying to be as involved as i can with the cross-border community Mm. like watching liga amiaki's games has been kind of eye-opening because it's just a different style of, of soccer and it's fun and it's engaging um and i i think that that cross pollination is going to be great like Sholos came up and played a friendly against Orange County last year and it was packed. Like people, sh- like the Sholos fans came up and I was really looking forward to the one that was supposed to happen at the end of March up here in, uh, yeah. in San Diego because I knew that was going to be another really packed, really great environment. Um, I think the, cro- the border communities have a little bit better of an opportunity to build that cross uh, pollination, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I think... I, I don't I don't I should say I think that a like it would be really fun to see a Louisville play a friendly against the Liga Mackey's team and maybe not like one of the, the big ones, but, you know, a middle of the road team that wants to just travel and check it out. I don't see that being mm. too far off in the future. And I think it'd be a really fun because um, the preseasons kind of don't line up. So it'll be like midseason versus preseason and, you know, to continue that debate about which league is better and um i i do as things continue and i think as usl gets stronger they're going to be more willing to take that and i think uh liga mackie's teams will find that advantage of moving up because you know cesar's right he pointed that out to me a while ago like liga mackie's is the most popular or most watched soccer league in the united states and mm-hmm. um the more that american yeah. soccer teams can kind of tap into 
those audiences is just going to benefit both in general. Um, and I'm I'm hopeful to see that kind of continue and develop and maybe see some of those Ascenso teams. I know uh, Sholos are a, a young team and maybe they, if they didn't get a chance to promote, who knows what the Sholos would look like if promotion relegation didn't exist. Um, but um, I'm hopeful for Mexican soccer because when Mexico is successful, the United States is successful and vice versa. And so um, I'm hopeful the Liga MX can figure this out and really kind of invest and bring up that second division the way that I've seen USL really engage people. And it's one of the reasons why I'm excited about the USL as a league in general. Yeah, I guess to speak further more about uh, the partnership between the United States and MLS when they had the uh, sorry United States and Liga Mackies when they had the Campeones Cup between Club America and Atlanta United up in Atlanta, uh, that was a massive crowd for Club America fans who made their way up to Atlanta. And I feel like just getting more fans involved in trying to find a club to support within both leagues, not just in Leo Mackies or MLS, would be beneficial to both sides and. And the more you involve Asensio clubs of with more fans in the United States, that it just kind of could benefit everyone, especially if they're trying to play more USL clubs. Like when, uh, it's a bad example, but when I vacationed in uh, Cancun a couple of years ago, I was trying to convince my family to go to an uh, Atlanta match down in a, an actual downtown, downtown Cancun, but uh, I was unfortunately shot down. But it just like if you have more fans who want to involve themselves in clubs in Mexico and, and more fans from Mexico who want to involve themselves in clubs in the United States, that it could just build a great you know, just kind of bridge between both of the nations here. It would almost be like if you would have all the Benelux nations of Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg all merge each other in uh, Europe. Uh Cesar, you are welcome back whenever you want to either talk soccer or we can just skank a little bit. A little too. Why not? Why not both? Why not both? Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you've been doing this whole time, but um, <laughs> uh, please, the floor is yours. If you have anything you'd like to plug or uh, I, don't, I don't know, rant about or what have you. Um, I mean, I don't really have, I mean, much to plug these days. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, yeah, I've written for a bunch of people, but works a little slow for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, um, I wonder, dude, I don't know what you could possibly be referring to. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do. I do actually, hopefully I'll be having a, an article or two coming out. I, I already sent it into to ESPN. I'm not going to really suggest yet, but just, uh, it should be coming out soon. Hopefully fingers crossed. Um, but uh, I guess, I guess if I wanted to make like just one more, you know, final point when it comes to when it comes to Mexican soccer and it comes to I guess if we're going to talk about lower league soccer uh, in Mexico it's something to keep an eye on just there's something something called and we don't have to dive into obviously we're wrapping up the show but so, there's something called Liga de Balompié Mexicano it's not ratified yet by by the FMF it's aimed to start September but there's a new soccer league that's starting in Mexico <laughs> it's an entirely different it's 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 it, the president is former mexican soccer icon uh carlos salcido their other former noteworthy players are taking leadership There's, roles within clubs they're open um, to pro, they're open to pro rel once it once that they have enough clubs so i think it's fascinating once again because we've been talking about mexican and american soccer kind of having similarities and now there's this fascinating it, it seems like a lot of the conversations that happened in u.s soccer are now happening in mexican soccer mm. and you're probably going to have these like pro rel uh, like diehards in Mexican soccer focusing on this alternate league. So something to keep an eye on. If you if if there's anybody out there um, who wants to uh, keep an eye on an alternative league in Mexico that's kind of like that, that wants to that, that wants to keep a uh, pro rail alive, then I mean, there's got to be something called the Liga de, de Balompié Mexicano. Kind of kind of interesting, kind of fascinating. Let's see how it goes. So that's something something else to keep an eye on. You know, I, I, I don't want to tell you um, what to write about or, or, or how to do some research, but I think if you want to try to get whatever the uh, Mexican equivalent of a, a Freedom of Information Act is with the financial backing of that New Mexican League, I would be very curious. I think Vince McMahon might have some, some money in that one. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe>. But yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, that's it for me. I mean, just... I, know, I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Cesarage Football, where I rant about random Mexican soccer and American soccer. Too. I'm doing a little more American soccer in recent years. 
You might as well, right? I mean, yeah, what's right. it going to hurt? Yeah, I, right. I think we should all go back and, and just uh, follow the um, arena soccer leagues of the 90s as if they're new. To, there you go. I like to it. To fill in some free time. <laughs> uh, no, so, so we appreciate it, man. It's it's always nice to be able to um, use whatever this platform is to give it to. Uh, I'll just be blunt. I love having not <laughs> your normal straight white people on soccer <laughs> podcast because I'm so fucking tired of it. So, uh, well, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having anytime, me. Anytime, man. Anytime you want to come on and be a, a, a quote unquote another minority on a on a soccer podcast, I'd be more than happy to have you on, man. Thanks for having me so much, guys. Yeah, I mean, just oh, always always a joy to talk about soccer. I mean, it does, doesn't matter right. with Mexican soccer, American soccer, Europeans. I don't care. It's just, I, I I love it, man. So, so, so right. thanks, guys. Yeah, you might as well. So, uh, on on behalf of Ryan and Alan and Phil and Pony, who are not here and myself. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. Thank you for uh, to, to to Roughneck Scarves and for um, the Beautiful Game Network podcast for putting this on and still letting me do this and release it and not complain about me. Um, it's wild. Who would have thought? But uh, until next time, we'll talk to you guys uh, guys later. And, and Cesar, again, thanks for coming on. Man. Of course. Thanks, guys. Thanks.